everybody, and welcome to The Wench Bench. Where friends sit and talk about fabulous fictional females and how their stories have influenced us throughout our lives. My name is Allison. And my name is Fonda. And today we have a very special guest. His name is Finn, and he's going to be talking about Keyleth from Critical Role. Welcome, Finn. Hi. Hi. I'm very excited to be here. Please tell our our listeners a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I'm Finn. I play and run a, a lot of Dungeons and Dragons, just so much. Um I always want to do more. Who has the time for that? Sure I have to try to make nobody. time. Just oh my goodness. Um that is, gosh, I feel like, is that all there is to life? Is that it? Is there any more than that? You have know. to eat and drink water. I have to eat and drink water. And I have to have coffee. Hygiene. So much coffee. Just a lot of coffee. Hygiene is really important. Absolutely. Especially if you're drinking coffee, you got to brush those teeth. You got to brush your teeth. Please brush your teeth. It's incredibly healthy for your, your teeth and gums and stuff. Yeah. yeah, I'm really excited to be here. I'm really ready to be in it. There's so much I already want to talk about, but <laughs> I guess, well, is there, what, what is even happening now? <laughs> so I would like to start by saying out of the, the three of us, we're all fans of Critical Role. Yes. Right. Yes. I have seen absolutely nothing of campaign one. So I'm going in like a fresh baby. I know of the names, like I know enough that I'm not like, oh my God, I never even knew there was a campaign one. Like I got the minimal. I know that there was a thing that existed prior to the current the before campaign. times, yes. The before times. Um Allison and I are caught up with the fir- the second campaign. Finn, how far are you for the second campaign? Well, the second campaign, I'm I'm, pr- I'm very deep in it, but I'm not caught up. I'm in the mid 70s of episodes. <gasps> yeah, <No>. some, <laughs> some shit is going down and I am <laughs> loving it. Um, but uh, I've, I saw all of campaign one. My friend Dylan, who on kind of a whim decided to run a fifth edition campaign for a group of us, started binging campaign one and just blew through it got really far really quickly while drawing a map of his world and he said hey that critical role thing i'm getting really into it and i had seen a couple episodes and i was like this is my shit (laughs) it's good but i wasn't binging it or anything there came a time when i just powered through so much of it and i finally like finished campaign one it's great yeah it was, was a lot of fun. It's super good. Yeah. I was working as a service technician. Oh, so did you watch yeah. that work? She listened to No, because I was I was an electrician. So I was oh, driving around a lot. Listen, and okay, I yeah. I listened in my I listened to the podcast version of it on like one and a half times speed and just like powered through. Quick side note for any of our listeners who do not know what critical role is. Uh it is a video series hosted on twitch where a bunch of voice actors get together and play dungeons and dragons in the most high level best possible way you can play and it's extremely impressive yeah and very fun it's it's a lot of fun uh it is probably one of 
the core pillars of like the live play industry that is blossoming now of people who play these pen and paper role-playing games for an audience. Yeah, mm-hmm. like considering the fact that Campaign One's going to be a freaking Amazon TV show. A freaking yep. Amazon TV show. Like, yeah. I mean, it started on Kickstarter, correct? Like, that's how they blew yes. up in funding. Kickstarter for like a million dollars of Kickstarter. Yeah, like a lot. Yeah. And lot. then Amazon's like, hey, we're going to pick you up. And doesn't that mean they get like an additional? I'm not 100% sure on this. I think they get an additional season, go, right? Get like funding. Oh, initial season. So, yeah, they got a lot more funding. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Wild stuff. Um, yeah, and they have comics and via Empire in their own right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A campaign setting book that is awesome with a bunch of yeah. cool new kinds of backgrounds and different things that you can do with your characters. Mm-hmm. They're very successful, which is fantastic. Ah, God, there's too much to talk about. I guess I'll just <laughs> to my current thought, which is that like I think one of the reasons why Critical Role which is then going to tie into Keyleth because these things are very interlinked. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciate about it is that it's it's never stopped being. You are really just taking a window into what they would be doing anyway. Yeah. But it seems like the way that they approach the show and the game, you're just playing D&D. Yeah. And you get to watch and... They're fun people and they're good actors. And a lot of them have so many interesting backgrounds in showbiz that it translates super well. They entertain each other and that's good enough to entertain us. And it's just kind of, that's what it is. Yeah. And I feel like it really makes you feel like you're kind of hanging out with your friends. It does. Yeah. It has that quality. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, it's Thursday. I get to go play D with my friends but yeah like i'm a backseat player i don't do anything <laughs> i'm just there watching yeah and i like playing and i always want to be involved especially when it's involving like people that you know and physically interact with yeah when it's critical role it's just like i do want to watch i want <laughs> to watch what you do and that's great yeah mm-hmm. yeah they're all incredibly talented at improv and just their character studies and how well that they know these these people and it's really it's really quite fascinating to watch them all kind of develop these new relationships by the seat of their pants in a way and it's it's cool <laughs> and that's that's the D ass D stuff that everybody <laughs> gets if you have like a good game yeah but they they can do it like once a week and you can see that develop over like 500 hours which is <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) amount of time. (laughs) Yeah. So, Finn, why are you choosing to talk about Keyleth and not say some of the other characters from the first campaign? Because there's a handful of fabulous fictional females that I've been informed of. There sure are. So, um, let's talk about Keyleth. Who is Keyleth? Yes. She is a half elf. She is a druid. In her case, she just seems to be really in tune with nature. Her culture, the Ashari people, are all druids and they commune with nature and they wield and harness the powers of animals and plants and fire, earth, water and all that stuff. I already feel like we should be talking about the campaign world now, but (laughs) that's kind of, uh, you know, in a way beside the point, like 
if you want to learn about Matt Mercer's Exandria setting, you should probably look that up. It's a lot. That would be a lot to get into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a couple notes on it. I guess I'll rattle them off now, but it really is just a few bullet points of like... Dragons. Dr- dragons, dungeons, no. <laughs> <laughs> dragons and dungeons. Dragons and dungeons. I, not wrong. Like, it has a lot of the, the tenets of a classic D&D setting. Mm-hmm. Um, it shares some of the deities of like classic D&D settings. Uh, but it's characterized by the intricate politics and the intercharacter machinations and relationships that Matt focuses on as the dungeon master and everybody else focuses on being in that world. And it's nerdy voice actors having fun. So it's like, you know, it's yeah. a perfect storm of good stuff. Yeah. Keyleth, despite being partially elven, so it is presumed she's going to live for a long time. Yeah. Uh, she's in her 20s. And this isn't yeah. like elf years. She's like 23. Yeah, she's journey. a baby. She's a baby, yeah. <laughs> she's still kind of a teen. And one of the things I think that's really awesome about this character is she has a, a character journey, a goal that's just for her, that is like a structured goal that none of the other characters have. Yeah. She has a quest called the Aramente, and it's going to lead her to become the leader of her tribe, which is like one fourth of their entire civilization. Uh, They have like the air Ashari and then the earth and the fire and the water. Mm -hmm. But uh, she's going to become the leader of the air Ashari and she's 23. Obviously stories like that have existed in the past where like a young person is called upon to be a leader, various Stuff happens <laughs> along the road. Yeah. Stuff certainly happens to Keyleth to stop her from completing that goal, help her in that goal, make the goal incredibly difficult to process on like a responsibility and emotional layer. But the goal mm-hmm. itself remains the same. Like, unless I'm forgetting something, like nobody else has a clear and concise character goal with steps to take to get there that are concrete. Like the character arcs, woo, up and down all over the place. Oh, yeah. But this goal remains really solid throughout the whole thing, which that was really interesting. Yeah. And she has to deal with it through the entire story. I also think it really helped to structure everybody else's kind of paths as well. And so the campaign really did kind of feel like Keyleth's story with other kind of branches off. There are a lot of moments that we go to her and she gets to lead that story, which for a character Mm -hmm. like Keyleth, she's questioning how she feels about the world. She's discovering that the world is kind of a nasty place, which she has a lot of talks with other characters about. Yeah. And uh, then when you're on like her journey, she has to be like, okay, am I a leader? (laughs) Like, what am I doing here? What is going on? Like, am I confident? No, I'm not confident. But like, do I pretend to be confident? Do I just figure it out? Like she goes through all that stuff, usually pretty much at the forefront of who she is and who she's talking to. Yeah, she is very like unapologetically herself, which is nice. She never really pulls back on that. Some would call it naivety. Yeah. But others might call it just genuine kindness. Because she does believe in the goodness of people. She does believe that people can be better and that everybody should strive to be better. But sometimes 
in that belief, it leads her to be a little almost stubborn because she's like, no, we should be better than this. And it's like, sometimes we can't be better than that. Yeah. And that's a good transition into your question of why not a different character in this group? Yeah. Like you said, there's a lot of great characters to choose from. I love Vex and Vax, the half elephant twin characters, which like super awesome characters. Vex is a lot of fun. She has an amazing character arc and journey as well. Yes. And Keyleth, in a lot of ways, is the heart of the group. But so mm-hmm. is Pike, played yeah. by Ashley Johnson, who is a unbreakable heart and kindness of a character who has an unshakable faith. Yeah. Not only in, like, she follows a goddess of, like, love and light, but she's just a really great person who helps people. And for Pike, you can always tell, like, this is the only way that she could possibly be. Yeah. This isn't a character with secrets, (laughs) you know? Like, (laughs) her only secret is probably, like, I don't know, I tripped on the way here and I spilled your drink and I have to go get another one and I feel terrible yeah. about that. Like, that's the most <laughs> evil she could ever commit. As a yeah, character. she's so nice. <laughs> and Keyleth is so much more conflicted and, like, things that Marisha has said about playing Keyleth and Keyleth's journey really called to me, and I think, like, called to anyone who has been a human uncertain (laughs) on the planet, which is everybody, which is like, you know, the question of, do I embrace responsibility? Like, if you feel the need to do good things for people, that is a powder keg inside you and around you. And the more serious you take that, there is a lot of implications for everyone around you and how you view yourself that uh, is really hard to put into words. Like, especially from a very overly dramatic D&D perspective where life and death can hang in the balance all the time. It's a lot of fucking shit to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to grok with that all the time. My friend is sad. I have to comfort them. I saw somebody die yesterday. Like, you know, there's all (laughs) kinds of stuff that goes on in that kind of journey. (laughs) Sorry, I have a note here. How it started. I like Keyleth. How it's going. Man, Keyleth has a lot of fucking good scenes. Keyleth does have a lot of fucking good scenes. She does. Jumping off of that was uh, Patrick Rothfuss was a guest on Critical Role Camera 1. Who is he? He's a novelist. He's a he's a writer. Okay. He played a really grounded character in Campaign One, and he and Keyleth connected because he's kind of a I don't know past his prime is probably honestly mean to the character because he in with them fighting serious battles, but like retired. He wanted to basically just like I protect this town. I'm trying to help people out. Trying to not make a big deal of it, kind of person. So sort of one of the potential. If you have passed the arc of Keyleth and kind of are getting to the other side, she could become something like this, where maybe she's a little jaded, but maybe she's also come to terms with like some of the things she sees in this world. And they have Mm -hmm. conversations that are just about that, where he is kind of talking her off the ledge of like, do I even care? And that is a major topic of conversation where do we do more harm than we do good? Uh, that's a huge 
theme for that entire character. Mm-hmm. And often to, I mean, it's a game, so we can laugh about it, but often to hilarious results where, like, there is a famous story of before Critical Role became a show and they were playing it just at, like, I don't know, mad, like, someone's house, you know, like, Laura <laughs> Travis's house or something, just playing D&D. They fought some enemy that was, like, their life force was chained to other people and, like, there were children and stuff and they were, like, defeating this villain and... Keyleth attacked the villain and some of this like damage went to a kid and killed that kid. And so, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible, right? And did she know? Did she, Um, did did they, did they know or was it like, did she find out after that what she did caused? I don't remember. It's probably a little of column A, a little of column B, where like, oh. evil person doing bad thing, what are you going to do? They, in the beginning of campaign one, jokingly say that Keyleth has killed a child, and they're not wrong, but they're also like doing it for comedic effect to be like, you didn't like put the dagger to a kid's throat. You were like trying to save them and some magic shit happened. Oh, um, yeah. But that still goes on to the rest of the campaign where it's like, Keyleth is a character that like, she gets arrested a lot. Yeah. She she gets arrested a lot because she's like, just like, oh, I'm out here doing my thing. Like, how does the world work? And I like come up to a vendor and like, maybe I'll try to cast a spell and do something harmless. And then they're like, you're casting a spell in a shop. You're a fucking criminal. And she's like, I'm not a criminal. And they like take her to jail for a day. And it's like, that stuff routinely happens to Keyleth because she's a sweet little bean. Very sheltered. <laughs> Very sheltered, but she also harbors within her the power of all natural things, which is a devastating yeah. force. So, yeah. like, take that, you know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. To wrap around that horrible tangent, chose Keyleth instead of, like, Pike because those conflicting emotions, that appeals to me a lot and like i like characters who have to battle with that i have i have played characters in not great campaigns so this is not like a flag in my cap this is more so (laughs) a i wish this went better but if you were to rewrite it as a dramatic piece i've played characters in DD where they have failed that battle like they had taken an oath to protect people and ended up like hurting people and from a dramatic standpoint, you can see all of the threads and the webs that spiral off of that going into Keyleth is a good person. Keyleth does a lot of good. There's a lot of different ways that she could fuck up or intentionally harm people because she has so much burden placed on her and that could cause her to break mm-hmm. or could cause her to be careless things like that. I mean, it's happened before, like with other characters in that campaign, like there's a whole arc of Vax being cruel to like a teenager to get him to not want to be like a hero. And that backfires horribly. And he like scars this. Like, you know, this is all character shit. This is the juicy stuff. It's hard when you become a quote unquote adult which is like everyone assumes, oh, you hit a certain age, now you're an adult. No, uh-huh. no, that's not, I'm going to say no to that idea. Great point. That is so relatable. 
Yeah, but like especially in D and D, when races have told like they could be like they age the same as a human, but they live longer, or yeah. they age quicker, so they become adults at this age. It's just like thinking of half elves. When you hit a point where you're like, I'm going to try to do good. I want to try to be a mentor. I want to try to make good decisions. I want to be like a good adult in the world, a good person. It gets hard to figure out what is good because you might have good intentions. Like maybe Vok, they had good intentions with this teenager, like you said, but his good intentions did not land at all. Like you see somebody who wants to go out and like, in your eyes, throw your life away being a hero or something. And you're like, this person's going to die. If I don't stop Mm -hmm. them, they're going to die. But you're a a brooding rogue who doesn't socialize very well. And you're bad at showing emotions and you fuck up. Mm hmm. And yeah, hey, <laughs> like you know, yeah. that shit happens. Yeah. And then now there's Keyleth, who again I don't know very much of, but just from listening, it sounds like she is so torn because she herself knows based off of her group, like her community, what is good, what being a good person there looks like. And being a good person in an entire continent can be very different because she has all these new experiences Mm -hmm, and so if she just thinks oh i see poor people i want to help them i want to uh, you know make sure they can have a better life i'm gonna go do this might not work out the same as it could have in her own community yeah that's like because she doesn't have the experience of enough failure if that makes sense yeah these are the thoughts of like a a more immature person who thinks like, well, doing good might be easy. I might just have to help this person, but that doesn't take into consideration like things that are just out of your control sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you may have good intentions, you may do a bad thing, but also sometimes you may do a good thing and it's just a tiny little good thing, which is Mm -hmm. great, but you know, it's not going to fix the world because that's really hard. (laughs) Yeah. I think Keyleth started out and to some extent ended even in the campaign as being a very black and white character. She very much believed in right and wrong, but she learned about the gray area of society through actually adventuring with these, the rest of the group, aside from, I guess, maybe just Pike really was very great, morally gray characters. Yeah. And she learned a lot about the, the nuance of things like politics and outside influences and all of these things that it's a lot of times there isn't just a right answer there's the best of the options yeah it's it's hard too because it's always kind of the small to medium-sized things that you do because some of the big things they do like they they stop a god which is a big that one's kind of hard to argue against really there's not really a lot you can do against that they also kill an ancient red dragon that is destroying a town and there's so much stuff that happens but they also help out individuals and villages and like they try to deal with the aftermath of a lot of that stuff and that's where it gets incredibly like muddy and like you know who you choose to trust and who you choose to get wrapped up in your 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 fucking hero quest and shit like that like all those things Mm -hmm. or or even just the people around her where now we're probably gonna get into like 
I guess if you haven't seen Critical Role Campaign 1, there's going to be spoilers. I don't know. It's, just, it's been oh, out for a while, though. I feel like... It's been out for a little bit. Yeah. I, I feel well, like there's no spoiler <laughs> alert for this, in my opinion. Fair enough. And there, it's so hard to spoil something like Critical Role. Like, there's moments that you can spoil, but the the path that they took to get to those moments makes them so much more weighted when you actually have consumed the full content. Whereas if somebody's just like, oh, this happened, it's like, and? Like, big deal. Yeah. Whereas after you've watched 400 plus hours, that moment means so much more. I've and seen so- 75 episodes of Campaign 2, and I know a lot of spoilers that happen later on. Even I lack the context that really lends those things weight when I also know they're incredibly important plot points. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I think, well said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, at some point, she enters into a relationship with one of the other characters, Vax. And edgy rogue boy. Edgy rogue boy. She enters in a relationship with him. And uh, there is a moment where they're at the water Ashari, kind of like, in a way, the last step on the road to her completing her journey. Mm. And that is also where her mother was going to go to complete her Aramente like a long time ago. So this is a very weighted place where like... She has a lot of emotions. A lot of emotions. Like, she uh, doesn't really know if her mother survived this journey, even though pretty much everyone else is of the opinion she did not survive. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much validated by the water Shari as well. But I don't know if we ever got a definitive on that one. But it's kind of like, you know, somebody who may have died like 20 years ago or something like that or 10 years ago. So that's a that's a tough nut to crack. In engaging in an incredibly difficult fight i think vax dies during this fight is that the case or does somebody a couple die? people die was this percy? <laughs> wait was this percy i think this was percy people like i was gonna die. say i'm under the impression <laughs> people died quite a bit in this campaign of, yeah like a lot of the characters die and come back to life <laughs> a lot of the characters yeah so we haven't talked about percy at all who also has an amazing relationship with keyleth they're like best friends they're almost complete opposites on the surface. Yeah. So they have a really fun dynamic relationship that I would say is like almost completely a positive, good friendship. Yeah. Like their flaws don't really hit each other in a way that makes conflict. It's just like a good friendship, which is super awesome. And so like with all of this like death and stuff like that happening, like, completing her Aramente, someone dying, they bring this person back to life. Later on, when they get into the whole stopping Vecna, the god of death, from, like, taking over the world, Vax is disintegrated. Yeah. That's dead. <laughs> yeah. And he does come back, but it is with the understanding that, like, a goddess that he is tied to, the Raven Queen, once he has completed his goal of like stopping Vecna from taking over the world, he will leave. So now you're in a relationship with somebody who has a ticking clock as to when they have to go. Yeah. And this is when all of that other stuff of like, oh man, we kind of pissed off some farmers. Oh boy, did we get this person hurt? You're spiraling further into like the the lifestyle we lead and in 
attempt to like complete my personal goal and help the world. My lover is dead and is going Mm -hmm. to die kind of undead right now in a way. Like, you know, my best friend has died like a couple times. I've died in spectacular fashion. I've heard the fish story. The fish story is almost talking more about Marisha than Keyleth in a way. (laughs) Because we've already established Keyleth is a very naive and whimsical character who would, for instance, let me jump off a cliff into the water. Very high cliff. Let me use a gust of wind to blow myself away from the cliff. Oh, the water's coming really closely. I better turn into something. I know. A goldfish. Splat. Dead. Horrible. Just a gruesome, horrible, horrible thing. Everybody is looking like delighted in this silly thing that's happened and horrified that their team member has just pancaked on the rocks yep. below. It is one of the most unique videos that exists on the internet that you can see. And I just, wow. Yeah. I watched it again this morning because I was like, well, I have to like do this again. And <laughs> I have to take this journey. <laughs> take this journey. What a journey it is. But <laughs> to come back around, to come back around, like, That has a little bit more, I think, to do with some stuff that I want to get into around Marisha getting negative criticism about her portrayal of Keyleth and some of the reasons why she has gone to say that, but also like why I think as well that that happens. But the Keyleth side of it is it's just a consistent character. It's a consistent arc, like for, for what Allison said this character starting very black and white from a naive perspective, experiencing the world and being amongst some of the most like morally gray people in that entire world history, probably just what it seems like, like, and coming onto the other side of that, seeing everything you have seen and still kind of being a character who is like, well, I've taken all of this information in, but for now, all I can really process is like, there is good and evil in the world and I will try to be a good person is still kind of a naive viewpoint and pretty final for now, because once again, she probably finishes the story when she's like 24, 25. I don't know how much time passes, but like not a long time. So still an incredibly young person who is still grappling with like all the stuff they were at the beginning, but a lot of it's more loaded A lot of it has this like this deep connection to the world that you have been forced to be a part of. And then after time, like grew to appreciate and love and fear and hate, you know, (laughs) I feel like Keyleth came out the worst of everybody in the campaign because everybody else kind of got a bit of a happy ending. And even though Keyleth did succeed at her Aramente, she became the leader of her people, but she lost the love of her life. She is now facing a future where she is going to outlive all of her friends. And she never found out what happened to her mother. She, I think, still had the the hope that she would have found her when she completed the Aramente or during her path. And then the campaign ends with her really not having the the happy ending. Like Vex, even though she does lose her brother, she falls in love with Percy and they have 
kids, I think. And they get married and they get their little happy ending. She's like a, a noble title. Yeah. And like she gets a noble title and all of these other characters do come upon the conclusion that was hoped for except for poor Keyleth but she has that responsibility and it's almost like a really fitting end for such a for such a polarizing character of the fan base it's fitting that she has this kind of melancholy bittersweet ending Keyleth's epilogue is my favorite epilogue of that campaign hands down yeah it's very solemn it's very sweet and bittersweet for sure Visually, the way they described it and how Matt described it is really heartbreakingly beautiful. And Mm -hmm. uh, she has that like lone watcher mentality, even though she's 20 something years old. Yeah. All of her friends are still going to live a long time. Well, I mean, you know, some of them might (laughs) kill themselves at some point for, uh, you know, charging headfirst into some other fiery maw of oblivion. Yeah. But, you know, barring that, all of this stuff has come up to create this foundation of a melancholy story's end mm-hmm. where she's just standing with her responsibility and her power and her perhaps like dedication, having lost a lot, not having a close friend who was a romantic partner in her life anymore having these like strange reminders of him like you know you're so in tune with the world around you by the very nature of your abilities Mm -hmm. that i don't know it just always feels like something where like you're part of nature and you're hyper aware of that to perhaps a grim degree and she has that quality of like I think somebody said it offhandedly in one of the talks among the cast, but they were like, yeah, Keyleth is going to live for a really long time. And druids at higher levels can basically sustain themselves off of like, like they just kind of don't age or something. So like, you know, depending on how Matt and like Marisha choose to interpret that for like the, the lore of the land, Keyleth could be around like forever or just a very long time. And, you know, she had kind of a sad ending and that adds that extra wrinkle of like, if this was, oh boy, we're super happy, but I sort of have a uh, Aragorn Arwen thing of like, one of us is going to live longer and the other us is not, then it's kind of like, well, you know, this is a good thing that's happening. This is sad. (laughs) Yeah. It's good sad. It's like a, I'm feeding off of it sad. It doesn't make it less sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So for yeah. Keyleth, a lot of the discussion we've had so far is how she's, you know, complex. She's unapologetically herself. Uh, she's black and white, knows of the gray, but is a black and white character with, with certain choices and how she acts. And that she's naive, but has a good heart. Does she at all deal with certain emotions that she struggles with? Like, obviously, there's sadness and trying to be like, oh, my gosh, do I want to do this? But does she get angry at all? Like, how does she deal with all the stuff that the world gives her, I guess? And it could be both. But I don't know if I was her, I'd be pissed off about a few things. And I don't know how I would manage. 
Yeah, and I think it is a little of both. And does she get mad? Allison and I immediately start like shaking our heads. (laughs) It is more rare than the kind of more somber tones. But uh, yes, yeah, like we see her go off a few times. And this is kind of like leading into another thing I just wanted to note on because it's cool is like the powers that Keyleth wields like Keyleth has all of these utility based abilities. Like she uses walls of stone, these like grasping vines. She controls the weather much later on, which is an incredible ability. Yeah. Generally being able to manipulate the elements. Like she does things like she can turn into an earth elemental despite having an incredibly iconic story where she falls to her death. Very sad. Very hilarious. Very awful. Very ridiculous. Very ridiculous. She also multiple times turns into an earth elemental, curls up into a ball, smashes into the ground. Her form may or may not be reverted by all the damage she takes. She is fine for all intents and purposes. She is powerful enough to do those things that are like kind of bucket list magical bullshit things where it's like a right? Yeah, the Kitior. Yeah, it's so iconic and good. It has a name. And like, so you have that character with all these powerful abilities. And she experiences something where like the fire Ashari that they meet, they help out, they commune with. Those people during the story are almost wiped off of... I was actually going to talk about this. Yeah, I I think you should start that. You should say a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, Kind of you asking about the angered there's one storyline which has to do with this where they need to ally themselves with one of these chromatic dragons so the colors green blue red white and black and they have to kill all of these chromatic dragons and they have to ally themselves with green yeah and this green dragon is the reason why the fire ashari were almost wiped out she yeah. turned into a a human or an elven looking character, ingratiated herself with these people, and then she released this great red dick. Yeah, for a long time. She earned their trust, she earned their faith, and then she released this red dragon from the fire plane, and it decimated these people. And then they have to work with this creature. And Keyleth goes through this incredible <laughs> it's journey a good of... Too. Oh, it's there's one few, but like there's one really good like anger monologue. Yeah, and she just because they need this dragon, but Keyleth wants to kill her so bad. Like she, that's like the one time we really see her wanting to give in to that revenge and that anger, and it's it's an incredible few moments for Keyleth that are wonderful. Does it is because inter- I'm just thinking of what I do know about some characters. Right, Grog is a barbarian yeah yeah does grog help keyleth with any of the the anger because he's a barbarian and like their whole thing is to utilize like like rage and and they fight and they do things and so i'm just wondering like in terms of people she knows does he at all in a way talk to her or do they help each other out with keyleth channeling this raw energy or does she not really have anyone to talk to about it she does end up talking to Grog about that, about harnessing like her anger and her rage, which is a good, good get for you because like, yeah, yeah. there's a barbarian in the party who 
like you know grog is not a really deep character no like you can fall back on if i can talk to this guy this dude about something it's gonna be getting real mad (laughs) (laughs) i would like to rage (laughs) yeah like mr i would like to rage you can talk to him about that and I, I, it's been a while since I have seen it. It would be interesting to go back to the latter section of the campaign, which is really when like that picks up like those last two character arcs, because, because there's, I think, two parts of that. One is they have to work with this villain, this terrible individual who killed thousands of her people. And so there's some obvious anger there. And there's even a called shot like she says, I will kill you. Yeah, I will be the one to kill you and things smooth over for a while. And then in another just absolutely incredible, iconic, amazing moment, they're fighting this green dragon and Caliph throws out like a Hail Mary casts feeble mind on this dragon, which all of these dragons they have faced are great foes that all specialize in various things. Plus they're ancient dragons. So like, even if they were dummies who didn't know anything, they could like shatter an entire civilization and they have, but Raishan, the green dragon is a dragon that can cast spells, which is usually not something a chromatic dragon can even do, but they're incredibly crafty and they've got their own shit going on. Raishan is a really fascinating character that super interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we can do a fucking episode on Raishan for sure. Yeah. So feeble mind as a spell is like, what does it do? It makes your intelligence one. You can't cast spells. You can't concentrate on spells. Oh, you can't. Oh, that would fuck this dragon up. And if you get it to work, they can try to resist this effect every 30 days. Yeah. Okay. So high-level magic in Dungeons & Dragons is devastating to the natural forces of this world, or if you're a green dragon, devastating to you personally. Yeah. Because you're right. This messed her up. She became a slathering beast. and it worked? worked? Keyleth cast it and it worked? Keyleth cast it. Raishan rolled four plus four. She's super smart, but oh, can't really beat that. Can't and Keila is a high, high level druid. Oh my god! Yeah, so more, almost that. more devastating than having killed her. Oh my god! How yes. did Keila yeah. react to that? Like she got uh, Marisha fell out of the chair that she was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Marisha, I love Marisha's reaction so much. Just as much as I love Travis's. <laughs> Yes, that's incredible. Like, so that's why I said it was a called shot of like, I will get you when time comes. Keyleth got her. Yeah. And in she a was improv a- game. Holy shit. Like you can't count on that. Cannot count on that. It easily could have failed. So how did Keyleth at like once the fight was done, which once she did this to the green dragon that decimated part of her people, how did did it change her? Did she react in like an excited way? Did she feel any regret or remorse? Because it's like, is this could be worse than dying, right? So, so like, how did it affect her? Did she did, did this it or is another conflicting battlefield? Because at the end of this, at the end of the fight, Scanlan the Bard lay dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they had to bring him back. Which I mean, 
leads to an amazing Grog moment. Those two are great friends. And yeah. Grog is just like, you magic fucks, you bring him back to life. You you fix him up. So like, you know, you're going from a great victory in a strange place. Like they're surrounded literally by like necromancy tomes, dark stuff. You just killed a green dragon that had terrorized the world for a long time, terrorized you in particular for a short period of time, done awful things at the cost of your friend's life. That was more of a whole party thing. It wasn't just a her thing, but... Was this also the part where Scanlan says, what's my mother's name? Was this... Yes. After? That comes, like, right after, yeah. Oh, so even more! Oh, yeah. Okay, I know about, like, that one thing, but yes. now, like, oh, dang... He died in that fight, was brought back to life, and that was really, really rough. For our rough. for our listeners, so what I just asked was at one point, uh Scanlan, played by Sam Regal, his character just got brought back from the dead. I didn't know the full implications, now I do. He just got brought back to life, his daughter and like yeah, mm-hmm. like Stop. right in front of his daughter. Yeah, yeah. all oh, this boy. stuff, and then everyone's kind of like joking. He's covered in pudding, and like they're they're trying to make it like hard and be like you're back. And at one point, he says a great line, which is like, "What's my mother's name?" And no one can answer. It's not just like, "Oh, my character doesn't know." Like the party was blanking. Don't know. Never asked. No yeah. one knew. And then he was like, "Died right in front of me." And he's he's listing off these things to prove to the party that they don't give a shit about him. And the reason I asked about it was because I remember watching it and I was like, why does Keyleth, like, why isn't she saying anything? And now it kind of makes more sense to me because she's the reason he died. Tech, if you if you want to take that into account, she, she yeah. view it that way, even if it's not true, helped bring him back to life. But the implication of that is like, now he's like, no, I can't. I'm leaving because none of you actually care about me. Yeah. And a really great juxtapose to Keyleth as well from like, we've just talked about Keyleth's journey is like pretty core to their journey. It takes them around the world. And it's not just we have to find the seven crystals. I don't know where they are. It's not you killed my father, prepare to die. Where is the six finger man? It's like, so we got to go here. And I have the map quest for it, which like it's going to take us a while, but I know where it is. And then we got to go over there. And that's in the ocean. We got to get a boat, but we can get a boat. We can go here. Boats exist. We can go there. We just got to do this stuff. Maybe we have to fight a Kraken. That's going to be a whole thing. Somebody is going to die during that fight as well. But uh, there's so much structure to that. And structure is a great foundation for why are you going on this journey? I am going because my mother went before me and she did, she did not return. And also, let me tell you about my dad, who is like the acting leader of my civilization. And let's meet people who have a strong relationship to me. They are my people. We are literally trying to unify them. That hasn't done been done in a really long time. So much stuff that they do. They end up in the end of the campaign making these like beacons where if one Ashari tribe is in danger, they can alert the others. Like so much stuff, like world building in a story sense and a literal sense. But uh, this little gnome who has a scant backstory of 
my family was killed by goblins and so I hate goblins hasn't really come up a whole lot would in fact be incredibly important to this person as a fact about their life. Mm -hmm. And wow, just throwing that in their faces. (laughs) I mean, only Sam Regal could really do that. What a, what a, (laughs) what a piece of shit he is. And an amazing, wonderful, talented piece of shit. But like, (laughs) that is the good, like juxtapose of like Keyleth's, conflicting like feelings are probably very centered on herself in relation to like wow I guess I'm not a good friend you know like yeah I just forgot to ask my friend about his past especially she thinks her mother could be dead Mm -hmm. Alan's mom's dead like I'm sure a lot of people have dead mothers in this I don't want to assume but I'm just guessing dead mothers you know is actually dead mothers is pretty high for this group in particular (laughs) I think that would be a connecting point of conversation yeah yeah because Bex and Bax their mom got killed by dragons oh my god his parents and his whole family family got murdered by vampires yeah i can't remember how pike's parents mm-hmm. died but she was raised by her grandfather yeah <laughs> and then Grom. i think when they got to the the water shari they were like yeah we found like her lake yeah we found her or lake something. yeah uh-huh which is a great <laughs> just factoid about that that is fucked (laughs) and like if you kind of expand on that too the leader of these people that keyleth is going to become survives for like thousands of years theoretically yeah so had her mom not failed this responsibility would have not come down on keyleth ever basically Um, ever yeah keyleth would have lived her normal life been able to just be herself and not have to worry about leading people or going on this aramente or doing any of these things so, like, in her mother's failure, in a way, she has had to step up. And that's, like, a whole new level of responsibility So that you yeah. may have thought you were going to have. So, <laughs> I would like to ask now, because our listeners are probably like, well, what the fuck do you like about Keyleth? I would like to know, Finn, which relationships of Keyleth as a character you find are most valuable to her through her story whether she might like them or not, right? Like there could be a character that she really hates, but maybe that character and her help her grow as a person because she deals with something. Like which characters, whether player characters or NPCs, do you think have an importance to her story and her growth? I think that the one that immediately springs to mind after talking about like the plot points we just did is... Vex, which is the sister of Vax, who dies at the end of the campaign. I, they're fucking I mean, names. So many jokes have been made about that, and they're all fucking good jokes. And now we have Vess Dragna as a name um, that comes up, and we have Vess, and we have, uh You have Vess, don't we? Too many yeah. beans, too many I beans. think uh, Sam at one point joked, uh, is like, I'm going to come back with my new character. Vix. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, yeah. A classic Vox in its own right. But, uh, <laughs> Vox. Well, they're Vox Machina. Oh, no, 
It's not even real. Like that. Oh God. Okay. Jeez. Anyways, back to fantasy. Me. Google uh, is just destroyed by them. Yeah. Back um, to back to oh boy. the sister. But, uh, I feel like Calix and Vex's characters have kind of clashed and definitely like if Percy and Keyleth are opposites that just never really come into conflict, Vex and Keyleth are, are opposites in many ways that do come into conflict. Mm-hmm. Especially because I think like Percy is a character who will internalize a lot of the shit he's going through. Okay. It seems. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to talk about stuff, but he's also kind of like a devious shit who will like work on things in his own head and then think like, this is good. And then like, just do his stuff. And Keyleth, Keyleth is an amazing friend for Percy because Keyleth is a good person. (laughs) And so I think her, yes, absolutely. Like she is really important for him. And then I think... And I, like, he is important for her as well, but I mean, characters have definitely comforted and helped Keyleth over time. Keyleth has done more of that for Percy than the other way around, yeah. and he's definitely did it. So how does this come with Vex? So for, for Vex, they are characters who have to come to terms with each other. Okay. Vex is in a relationship with Keyleth that seems pretty solid. So Vex and Keyleth see each other a lot. They are in each other's lives a lot. You know, this is the sister to your romantic partner. And this is kind of, you know, maybe your sister to a certain degree for a lot of different reasons, because like the Vax connection and the group connection. And when when Vax does something stupid, they get to talk about it, which is great. Also... When Vax dies, they have to approach that with each other because Keyleth is a super awkward person. So there are a lot of really good scenes about like the first time Vex dies and mm-hmm. kind of in a non-traditional, in a way, D&D sense, like Vax, his contribution to like, I want to bring my sister back is to indebt himself to a goddess, the Raven queen. He does not want to talk to his sister about that because in a way he kind of fucked up, but he also did it for really good reason. Yeah. yeah. The ripples of that action. are That's a can aim long thing that touches every one of these characters, <laughs> but particularly those three for sure. Yeah. Vex goes to Keyleth and like, averting her eyes, not really wanting to talk about this thing that's happened, having to kind of make a connection and be like, well, you're asking me to tell you this deeply personal thing about your death that I saw you die. That's a difficult conversation to have. But that's also, like I said, like that's earlier on. Later on, Vax is dead. You have to talk to this person. And now you are each other's reminder of the person you love who is at one point dead, at another point going to be taken from you forever, and then later dead. Mm-hmm. So that is an incredibly important relationship. And that is also one that kind of on par for Keyleth, like they have a lot of great kind of like resolutions and also just 
continuations of them building up that relationship, that relationship doesn't have a finite way that it kind of shakes down. Like a lot of those relationships are pretty set in stone. Like Keelth and Percy are best friends. Yeah. They don't ever stop being that like Pike and Grog are best friends. Vax and Vex are brother and sister. And like Vex and Keyleth never really get to a point where they have one specific way they feel about each other, but they kind of get to a point where they make a promise to each other that they matter to each other, you know, within the memory of Vax, but also just kind of like it takes a long time for those characters to really officially acknowledge like we are a family and we have to deal with it, but the dealing with it part, that's probably never going to really stop. That's not going to end really. We're just going to figure it out as we go along and then, you know, one day that'll be it. (laughs) I see them as very much character foils as well. Cause when you look at just like the base points of their stories, Keyleth loses her mom. She's embraced by her community. She's given this responsibility and she grows up like almost embracing that and becoming a better person, a more trusting person. Whereas Vex loses her mom, her and her brother are sent to live with their father where they are shunned, where they are treated as outcasts because they are half elves in an elven community she shuts out the world she becomes greedy she becomes selfish and she focuses only on her small little world which is her and her brother she's a very savvy person she's extremely smart yeah and extremely selfish in a way that she had to become because of the world she was in and so you can see the way that had each of these people switched positions how they would have become different people and how the same kind of bases and effects that your life has on you can change you as a person. And so I can see how they are almost like oil and water where they, they understand each other and they love each other, but they just can't like, they cannot rectify their pasts with one another because they have both lived such different lives, but came from the same place. Yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, I mean that, that relationship alone leads to so many great deep conversations about internal emotions (laughs) and externalizing those emotions and things like that. Like uh, I think a lot of the times characters have to go to Keyleth to kind of get a, like a morality check, like Pike and Keyleth kind of serve that role, but Keyleth is around more often. Yeah. Very moral compass character. Very moral compass. Yeah. So like, I think a lot of those meaningful relationships tend to steer towards the, are we doing the right thing conversation or what do we do with what we have conversation that that is the curse of making a character that you've kind of decided is going to be a certain way, especially if they're going to not be a certain way because awkward Keyleth, who is very conflicted all the time, everybody wants advice from awkward Keyleth. Everybody wants advice from awkward Keyleth until she disagrees with you. And then you suddenly don't want advice from awkward Keyleth. But uh, that is a reoccurring like character thing that just kind of pops yeah. up for her. And I think uh, had Keyleth not been the character that she was and had the relationship that she did with a character like Percy, I think he would have gone extremely dark. Can we talk about his- Percy now? Like, I'm so best friends. Yeah. Keyleth is a yeah. better friend to Percy than Percy is to her, but they're still really good friends, but they're opposites. So, so what one thing so I will 
One thing I will definitely say that is a cool thing that they get to do on a frequent basis is Percy is a man of machines. He basically invented the gun in this setting, and he also likes to invent, like, uh, you know, mechanical inventions. Keyleth is this utility spellcaster. They collaborate very often. Mm. They're a collaborative friendship. I mean, you two could probably relate having made a podcast together... (laughs) And I mean, it seems to be doing well. Thank you. Making things with your friends can be very difficult for so many different reasons because you think different ways, because you're different people. And so like seeing Percy and Keyleth who are who are opposites, who have completely different skill sets, Percy can be like, hey, you know, a well-placed trench right here could do a good job. And Keyleth being like, I can fucking do that. Just like, <laughs> dig, 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 magic, magic, magic. And like... All of those little ideas that they have with each other have a fun interplay. Like, they they have fun together. They are routinely making each other laugh and talking to each other, having private conversations that are, that are absolutely best friend conversations. Like, these are the conversations you would not have with a passing acquaintance or even a new friend or something like that. This is something where you're like, I trust this person. I'm going to confide in them. And despite, I think, still being true that Keel is a really good friend to Percy. And like Allison said, Percy would probably have either gone evil or just straight up died, if not for Keyleth. In fact, when Percy died, they were trying to bring him back and his soul was being devoured by a dark entity. And Keyleth had to go in there and break that connection or else his soul would not be returned to his body. Mm-hmm. That is the kind of friendship that they have on top of when they plan, when they work, when they have to fight, they collaborate, they do well together, which I think is very important, especially for someone like Keyleth, who has this very grounded, logical friend who can give that shade of advice that is never going to naturally occur in the abundance and from the point of view of this, <laughs> this fucking dude who is like cold and calculating. Yeah. <laughs> For all That's intents and purposes is evil. I think that plays a lot softer <laughs> for us. But yeah, he's, he's I, I mean like, Talk about the the a good pairing of people where it's like, could you imagine a like a a more paragon and renegade duo than Keyleth and Percy? Where it would be like Keyleth might be brain, <laughs> kind of. I mean, it's like yeah. a why don't we just talk to them versus we could kill them in their sleep. No yeah. one would ever know. Oh my god! We don't have to kill them in their sleep, but it's like you know it's that kind of stuff. How- I mean. I- at the beginning, he was kind of possessed by an evil murder revenge spirit that lived yeah. in his gun, but. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> oh they, they play together so good. They're, they're like, dang it. It's so cute. Oh, <laughs> uh, Fonda, I'm glad you haven't seen Campaign One yeah. because your reactions to some of these things are so, just, so accurate and good. It just sounds so like first i was like oh interesting they're like yeah he's kind of evil and i'm like she's a black and white as you've described to me character who's dealing with gray the gray zone how does she have a relationship with a character that is so 
opposite outside of like the fact that they can mesh well together because they collaborate they like you said like sometimes opposites work really well together but even then now i'm just so does she he, get conflicted with him at all before they become oh, yeah. so strong of friends yeah yeah okay yeah, they, they argue a lot but it's like while she's teaching him about being a good person and about like actually having some sort of moral compass and it's not all about your your feelings and your rage and your revenge mm-hmm. he's teaching her about the practicality of the world because he is very jaded he's gone through a lot he is teaching her that her sense of right and wrong and her belief in the world is maybe a little bit misplaced and that she does have to understand that people are not always going to be as good as she thinks they are and so they learn from each other okay okay (laughs) okay yeah and you know like we just talked about a a few characters that have very different upbringings and percy's revenge story is my family was taken from me i need to kill the people who did that the just and perhaps traditionally right valued version of that is i you know have to restore my home um which has been taken over by vampires I am the royal in line or the noble in line to like kind of lead this township. And so my people are suffering later on finds out like his sister is alive and has been manipulated and brainwashed by the vampires that killed her family. And so like, you know, those complications lead to Percy having beacons of light in his life. That is the kind of stuff where, you know, when it's not life and death, but it's still important that's when it's really important to have a Keyleth as your friend to be like, maybe you should care about your sister and your people more than you care about killing a person of like increasingly less importance to the revenge plot of your family. Because that's how like then like an endless cycle of revenge goes. Like eventually you're like killing your arch nemesis's mailman or something. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I would love to know about the conversation for Marisha in all this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, from my understanding, even just her playing Beauregard in the new campaign, there's a lot of people that still give Marisha a lot of, and I don't like this, but hate and flack and, and just meanness. And I know a lot of it, early on seemed to have been more toxic when she was Keyleth and there's still like toxic stuff about it but I'm interested to hear about that from both of you because you've watched the first campaign and in my opinion I don't quite understand it like I get disliking characters like everyone might disagree with how a character does a decision or why certain things happen but it just seems like a lot of people view or have viewed Keyleth and Marisha as like the same so whenever there was hate or toxic feedback it wasn't just to a character it was to Marisha and like in something like this like we talked about Marisha isn't just playing a character like in a video game where she can step back she is acting she is being this character and this character for years yeah I Allison, I'd be really interested to hear what you have to say because like I it's it's interesting you would say that you kind of don't understand because I think the hate for Keyleth is 
pretty difficult to fully just get because it's not, because, you know, it's not logical. It doesn't really make sense. And I have like, I have a kind of theory that I can peg on it, but I almost wish I had a deeper analysis, but there's no deeper analysis. It's like, it's kind of the same thing. It always is with toxic you know, fans or mm-hmm. people who be fans. Yeah. They find someone to be the target. Yeah. yeah. I think when Critical Role came out, a lot of people were into a lot of people who like played D&D and were sort of in those spaces. It's the murder hobo game where you go around and you kill and you just like everybody's kind of morally gray. And so in a setting where you are surrounded by these other characters who are all very popular, like many people like Grog and the twins and Percy, and they're all these like very um like morally great characters that you you kind of love and everybody likes the the tortured good guy who's got like that dark past and he has to like fight through it but then having your choice be to play the morally sound character in a way that does conflict with your fellow players and the way that their stories go can be hard for some viewers to to want to see but it makes for a more interesting story simply having somebody like that would be a completely different campaign without keyleth yeah take her away completely different campaign yeah all the stuff talked about like that's core story beats in this yeah percy would have possibly gone completely insane grog at one point picks up a cursed weapon that was used by one of the vampires that turns him evil that makes him kill more people it hungers for blood and vax yeah yeah like vax would have sunken into this horrible place of depression like keyleth brought him out of it these characters relied on her friction to grow and i think that in being that character and being that friction possibly rubbed some viewers the wrong way, but they didn't necessarily understand. It could be a whole slew of things that probably helped that it was a, a woman that was portraying the character because a lot of times female characters are judged more harshly on their actions than male characters are when they come into conflict with fan favorites. And it can be hard, and I, I admire the way that Marisha has dealt with it in her grace and understanding she has truly been really risen above it in a way that i don't think that a lot of people could have with the sheer amount that people were being angry about choices that she made for a character that did make sense yeah like certain things that slot into this are i guess just what we just talked about like no one's mad at percy like ever and we just talked about how percy went on like a revenge murder quest and a lot of the people he killed were bad. Yeah. But he was on a revenge murder quest. They had to save him from doing a bad thing and basically like sacrificing his life to actual darkness. But instead, a lot of the people, I guess, get mad at Keyleth for making mistakes in D&D or something like in a that. a game that has like 50,000 rules. And, you know, like... That is a great point, but even inside of that, like, like nobody can be good at D&D and nobody can really be bad at D&D. That's invalid. Yeah. Improv is hard. Improv is hard. Like, yeah, I mean, like, you don't even need to improv. Like, the only mistake you can make 
in an RPG is disrespecting someone. Yeah. Uh, like, like, you know, there's a few really amazing quotes from like Marisha and the people around here. Like she, she said like, don't steal people's joy. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Why would you do that to someone? And like, you know, in uh, the Between the Sheets episode where Brian. Well, I watched that one. He's like, the way a girl plays D&D, that is where you're going to put all of your frustration and hate. Yeah. Like, like seriously, like all that stuff, you know, that is like that episode of Between the Sheets is great because Marisha puts it better than I ever ever could where like when you when you tweet out like keyleth is stupid fuck you keyleth all of this stuff like that like wank wank learn how to play D. like you cast a spell wrong you cast a spell wrong like you did a suboptimal action in your complicated D show where you have 50 million things to think about like yeah. that sucks for her to see but that is, she's not really the person being hurt by that. The person being hurt by that is like the many, many, many fans of Critical Role and of her in particular who see this torrent of hate towards a good person and a good character. And they think like, well, I guess this is what D&D is. And it's just a toxic group of people who can't let others have fun, mm -hmm. which is devastating absolutely devastating like i am really happy that we kind of in the culture and fandom of this like a uh, genre of game we've gotten to the point where i haven't personally heard anyone say that in a long time but those stories are always going to exist unfortunately and it yeah. sucks because like i love running games for new players I love seeing someone like express themselves and play this fun game and do what they want to do. And I'm not perfect at playing or running it because no one is, but like, it's a gift to be given to people. And like some of those people are going to play it and they're going to be like, that's not for me. Mm -hmm. And other people, it's going to be like a brand new obsession where they can socialize with their friends and play a game and like talk to them or meet new people and have all of these great experiences or just go like, I played D and D and there's a show called critical role. I wonder if I'd be into that. And then 500 hours later, you're like glued to your <laughs> computer screen and you're like drooling and you've got coffee stains on your face <laughs> and you're like, there's a campaign too. And then it's like, you know, yeah. What joy. Yeah. <laughs> I think um, we're good. I'm going to have the link to the between the sheets because right. it's really good from someone that, again that hasn't watched the first campaign. But just hearing to to t like we're talking about Marisha and just to quickly lean away from Keyleth, but to counteract the how versatile you can be within playing characters. She now plays Beauregard, a badass monk who's kind of really hard to get along with on yeah. the surface and you know she's very abrasive she'll say things very bluntly marisha took away from playing this character who was really 
good at wanting to make connections with people that was dealing with her own kind of shit and dealing with anger and is now playing a character who like is embracing like she's a physical fighter she's dealing with all these things and just now she's starting to learn how to in a way like ask for help from other people and this is and she like this character is very bold and forward in what she does but you can still have a good story yeah (laughs) like a really good story yeah And I just, I know that people sometimes dislike Beauregard at first, when you first start to watch Campaign 2, and then I feel like that kind of goes away for some people as they continue watching it, because Beauregard grows, as anyone does in any story when you're playing. And so I guess I just, like, I admire Marisha Ray a lot because I know she's dealt with so much playing a game, being the youngest of her friends in this game mm-hmm. and having to deal with a lot of flack sometimes or just people being like, oh, this character sucks, blah, 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 blah. And then like, you know, she she probably has days that she feels really saddened by maybe things she reads or hears about on the Internet. But no matter what, she's coming back and playing this game. She's putting her best foot forward as a player and an actress, and she's constantly being supportive of other people. In her talks episode, she even talked about how she'd rather be the person that takes the hate than a young girl in high school or college who wants to try to do something like this. And I find that so admirable and really nice. And when I watch her knowing these things play these characters, it just makes me think more how much she cares about not only having fun, she wants to have fun, she wants to have joy, but she wants to make sure that she can let other people enjoy things as well. Mm -hmm. And I I really, now I can't wait to kind of get into campaign one because I'm excited to see another side of how Marisha is with the game and how her other characters are. But I think it's just... I, I'm just kind of fangirling over Marisha Ray. Right that is exactly why I wanted to talk about Keila Fonda. <laughs> like, if, <laughs> if Marisha is not a personal hero of yours, you're probably a fucking jerk. <laughs> is, I'm just going to say it. Like, that's probably just. She's a it. great note taker. Yeah. That is something I was going to maybe hold back, but we got to talk about that too. Okay. So <laughs> I'm not caught up. But sometimes I learn about drama or plot points and stuff like that. Apparently there was some drama because Marisha took notes so good that she like figured out a plot point in campaign two or something. You don't have to tell me anything about that. Maybe tell me after we're done. I'm just nodding. Yeah, people got so pissed pissed about good notes. Because, and I think it was, uh, oh boy, I think it was Todd Kenrick who works for D&D Beyond he put it the best. He's like, these people are mad because a girl is better at D&D than them. (laughs) And it's fucking true. It's fucking true. Like, you know, that kind of invalidates like what we just said of like, you you can't be good or bad at D&D. But to put it in their terms that they would use, Marisha is better at D&D than them. And they're mad. Yeah. And she's good. And she's smart. And Bo is a smart character and she's being that character. So it's like, you did such a good job that people are mad at you. Yeah. And I think she actually said something along the lines of like, I built Bo so that I could be more of myself in this campaign. 
because she does have that drive to take those notes, to obsess, to think about the future and to like the conspiracy theories and to get into all of that. And so she didn't want to have to suppress that in a character again, like she had to do with Keyleth. So she made Bo have that little piece of herself in the game so that when she was taking these notes and when she did get to kind of nerd out over it and get excited about maybe, maybe definitely figuring out <laughs> the, the, the big twist at the end, she yeah. got to do it in a genuine way in regards to the game. There was no metagaming there. There was no anything like that. And so that's one of my favorite parts about D D is being able to put pieces of yourself in these characters and explore parts of who you are as a person in a comfortable, safe space surrounded by friends. And that's what she gets yeah. to do every Thursday. <laughs> yeah, like these these performances and interconnected relationships work because they all trust each other. They're a good group of people who like working with each other. And like they have translated that into playing a fun game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I just like, and the sad part is, in a way, it's always the the minority of really hateful people that are always so vocal in something. Whereas, like, there's probably a lot of people like myself, like you guys, like that, the vast majority of that don't like have those negative feelings. But when we try to vo- voice our support, maybe they don't get as much views or as much likes because we're not talking about a discourse yeah. between the people that hate somebody and the people that are like, what the fuck are you talking yeah, about? It's not polarizing enough. It's not yeah. grabbing enough. It's, it's, it's also not usually your first response to like, you know, I would say to any of my friends, like, I like Critical Role and it's a good time. I may not tweet that on a regular basis or something. Yeah. So like, I'm I'm not saying you even should. I'm not going to try to manipulate the Twitter platform because it's a huge beast. But like the angry people, like you said, like they're, they're motivated to talk about it. They're very loud. And even though there's only a relative few of them, they take up a lot of that space, which is a huge bummer. But there's so many people who don't feel that way. And those are the fans of the show. Without many, many people who are just casually enjoying something, no media exists. Yeah. People who don't even really yeah. talk about it. They just enjoy it. They just like it. Like for most of the stuff I did before internet and Tumblr, I remember enjoying a lot of stuff. And at one point, if there was something that I didn't like about it, I just stopped partaking in it you're not gonna go into the library with a book and you're gonna be like look here you fucks i read this book and i just (laughs) i hated it and i hate you and i hate you too and i'm gonna get this book and maybe that will be a good one yeah yeah i i I feel like fandom (laughs) yeah and just to talk about marisha critical role is so involved with their fan base and it sounds like they have been since they started Mm -hmm. which is great because the community is involved and Critical Role cares about their community and they listen and they're like, oh my gosh, we do art reels. What other freaking thing does an yeah, art reel? Extensive art reel every right? week. And like, it's amazing. And they have their fans' artwork in books and they like they hire fans to make merch. Like they're so involved and they love their community. And that's like 
freaking amazing to be a part of something like that. But then on the downside, they care so much that when stuff like this happens, everyone expects Critical Role to listen Mm -hmm. to that negative piece of feedback. And they also, you know, everybody who has ever made anything is going to suffer from like, should you put the Critical Role cast and crew on a pedestal? No, they're just people. Putting them up on like a pedestal is going to do so much harm to you, mostly to you, but like to them, everybody. But, you know, for now, they seem like good people who care. And in general, they're making a network of entertainment that a lot of people enjoy. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's an incredible, they're doing something incredibly special that hasn't really ever been done in the way that they have done it. Starting around 2019, like ish, and then going forward is also very fan focused. They they talk about the contents their, their fan makes like a, Matt and Mika have like that show they've started to do where they talk about like community centric things. Like this just isn't like the kind of content that comes from people who don't care about what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the forefront of that also being a producer (laughs) of Grinnell Roll. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I think the last point I want to make for like Keyleth and Critical Role and Beauregard and Marisha and just it in general, they are good at being people and showing that people can make mistakes and they're learning from their mistakes and they're trying to do good, just like how their characters try to do good in the world or what they think is good. And I love watching them play characters that feel like people. Yes, it's a fantasy world, but their characters have flaws and they learn about making mistakes and feel like everyone can relate to a character in the show or multiple things that happen in a show. And I just, I'm happy to hear you talk about Keyleth Finn because I feel like just through listening, part of me thinks I could really understand Keyleth the most in this campaign. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> and that makes me really happy because sometimes I find it really hard to connect with really, really morally gray characters. Do I want to play one one day to try it? Yes. But I just like hearing that no matter what, Marisha didn't change how she wanted to portray Keyleth and she was sticking true to that character and what she the story she wanted to try to tell you've made me both want to watch campaign one I'm sorry (laughs) good luck (laughs) Uh, mission accomplished but also I'm sorry yeah (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Um, it's okay it's It's a good character Yeah, Keyleth is just a great character, you know, played by a good performer. And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like, you don't always get that. That's kind of a lot to ask for. And there's 500 hours of it. Like, (laughs) so much. Yeah. (laughs) So, Finn, before we... Uh, ask you our final question. I would like to know, can you give me like your favorite Keyleth moments? And they can be anything. It could literally be 
Like, it doesn't have to be, like, oh, so complex and deep. It could be, like, she ate a cupcake and Not got sick time. from it, and it was fine. Like, uh, I mean, <laughs> I'll just say one of those is probably getting real drunk one time on the uh, liquor that makes your mouth numb. Yeah. And so <laughs> her and Percy were just like, blah, 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 as people are asking them about, like, should I try some? And they're like, <laughs> 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 that whole segment of like pro- probably i guess like another it's not really a singular moment but like her experiencing the rest of the world some of these characters go to places they've never been but i like seeing keyleth try to acclimate into like different societies and stuff like that and navigate this world and talk to people and all of that stuff Another really good moment is her going to the, I, I think it's in, it's in one of the like larger cities. There's this big tree and this like grove to the goddess Melora, uh, which is like, she has an artifact for, that Melora like blessed or imbued or made. And so this is also kind of a constant reminder thing of like, well, I'm not an atheist because I know the gods are real. But I don't worship the gods, but I have this artifact from a god, and now I'm standing in front of a huge tree from a god, and just everything that happens around that is, like, very interesting and sometimes really funny. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So is there anything else you're excited about right now, Finn? Man, is there anything else I'm excited (laughs) about? I mean... So usually for watching Critical Role in particular, I will wax and wane for my watching. I'm currently in an uptake where I have a couple different things. I'm I'm a I'm a monster. I don't watch TV anymore. I don't know how my entertainment habits work, but it's mainly YouTube based. So <laughs> I will just kind of cache the episodes of things to watch. And uh I've been watching Critical Role Campaign Season 2 watching a decent amount of it lately really liking what i'm seeing apart from them they've gotten enough of our time completely different thing that's almost the same dimension 20 which is college humor's like live play show but very different like format than critical role and also shorter format because they break their episodes into like two hour chunks okay and they are the little more formulaic and not at all a bad way they just released a or they started making a season uh a second season of their modern fantasy set in new york that i am currently watching the first campaign of and it takes place around christmas we're Ooh. recording this in december seeing that like these heroes of new york <laughs> go through the sewers or like save Santa Claus and stuff like that. Incredibly, incredibly fun. Uh, they're another great group of like, those are all improv comedians. So like they are of a comedian improv and like writing backgrounds. So they bring different things to the table. Comedy is a focus. So if you want something lighthearted, maybe a little bit easier to digest I would absolutely recommend Dimension 20, any of their campaigns. They have they do a lot of different stuff, but uh, one of the artists that they work with for like character art on the show, um, Kendra Wells, 
they made art for season one of Unsleeping City and season two. So I just want to see more art. And I've worked yeah. with her and they're an awesome person. So uh, cool. yeah. And then I guess cool. games too. Nice. I so Finn, is there anything you'd like to plug or, you know, cause you're a guest and whatnot. You can choose to follow me on my terrible Twitter account. I am salubrious brew on Twitter. And if I ever do anything, I'll probably talk about it there. Um, I have tried my hand at podcasting and might maybe be trying again soon, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you do let us know, we'd love to, uh, to to plug you in in the future if you have one all right well dear listeners you can find us wherever podcasts can be found please make sure to rate review and subscribe if you haven't already you can follow us on tumblr twitter and instagram at wenchbenchpod and if you want to reach out you totally should you can send us an email at wenchbenchpod at gmail.com all of the art for The Wench Bench was designed by the wonderful Tessa Joyce Rican, and you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Wherevile. Uh, okay, well, thanks for listening. Bye! 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 Her <laughs> mom got killed by dragons. Oh my god! Um, Don't steal people's joy.